At Bet365, we don't do ordinary. We believe that every sport should be epic. Every home run, every hit, every inning, every play. From the moments that are legendary to the ones that fly under the radar. Whether it's a walk-off grand slam or a base hit to center field. Whatever the sport, whatever the moment, it's never ordinary at Pet365. 21 plus only must be present in Ohio. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem and wants help, call 1-800-GAMBLER. If you love sports and true crime, then there's a new podcast from executive producer Dan Patrick and hosted by me, Jay Harris, that you won't want to miss. Playing Dirty Sports Scandals. Each week, I'm squeezing the juiciest details from some of the biggest sports scandals ever. I'm talking Marcus Dixon, Olympic gymnastics, Kane Velasquez, salacious Super Bowl-level scandals. Join me on the dark side of sports by listening to Playing Dirty Sports Scandals on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. This is the New York City Cast with Will Hill, presented by Bet Rivers. Welcome to the New York City cast presented by Bet River Sportsbook. Coming up, the VP of digital content for Visa, Ben Fox, was kind enough to join us. Uh, had a great conversation about really everything NFL. We go over all this week's matchups. Uh, mobile betting has come to New York, obviously, so dive into that. Ben is, is very knowledgeable when it comes to really everything regarding betting. Uh, had some good insights in, in terms of the games this weekend. We gave you some leans, some picks. Uh, so excited to have Ben on. First, we'll start with uh, the basketball. Nets uh, Nets won last night against Washington in Washington. Won the game 119-118. That was not the story. The story, one of the stranger things you'll ever see. Nets assistant David Vanterpool is a good defender. A very good defender. Now, fortunately, well, I guess fortunately in this case, he's not a basketball player. He's not on the court. He's not supposed to be on the court. But he made the key stop in the game. Uh, fourth quarter, it's a one-point game. I think it was Kuzma who threw the pass, and Vanderpool deflects it. The Nets get the ball back, go on to win the game. Now, you're obviously, what you're thinking, if you haven't seen the play, you're thinking, well, obviously, if a coach is defending passes, with all the replay, with all the cameras, with the ref standing right there, obviously, they caught the, the coach hitting the ball. They called it technical. They gave the Wizards the ball. They obviously corrected the mistake. You would be wrong. It somehow went unnoticed. Uh, the Nets get the ball. They end up winning by a point. Now, technically, uh, not technically, it's supposed to be a technical foul. Wizards ball. Wizards get a free throw. Uh, in a one-point game, change of possession and a free throw. I mean, that's all the difference in the world. So the Wizards lose. Uh, the, the Nets really get away with one. One of the stranger sequences you'll ever see. Uh, Wizards interim coach Joseph Blair was really uh, amusing talking about the play. He repeated the question when he was asked about it after the game and went on a good, like, 90-second rant. He was very calm, but you could tell how ticked off he was. Uh, Take a listen. You asked me if he may have touched it. There's no may have. He did. My reaction was utter disbelief. I've never seen in my very long time in basketball something happen like that that the referees didn't see. Everyone's nobody's perfect, and the mistakes will be made. I get that, but I think in a game like this, with uh, the bench conduct being a code, uh, a point of emphasis this year, that is, it's very hard to swallow them missing something like that for me. Um, I do understand that, regardless, there's tons of things we could have done better in the game, and it should have never came down to us complaining about something like that. But I will say that you know, 
this is the best league in the world. They have to be better than that. And nothing against that referee, quite frankly. I think he's a good referee and a really good person. Um, just, you know, I'm, I was just kind of in, in disbelief. Like I said, I've never seen nothing like that ever. And to be standing there as a head coach to try to deal with it at the time was kind of like, oh, my gosh, did I really just see that? I mean, that's pretty good. He's got a point. He's got a point with all the replay, with all the reviews we have. I mean, baseball, NFL, NBA, they review the most microscopic things. They do it to death where you just want to sit there and watch a game. They review everything. But this they somehow miss. It's kind of why I'm out on replay. I think I talked about it the other day with Ryan Rothstein where, I mean, I, it's one thing if we're going to sit through all these replays and they always get every call right. Not only do they not do that, I mean, how do you miss that? <laughs> how do you miss that call? Oh, my goodness. Uh, really... Just, uh, look, it's a regular season game. That might end up mattering for the Wizards. They're kind of in the fringe here, the plane. We'll get to these Eastern uh, Conference teams in the playoff picture here in a minute with the Knicks being on the fringe. But uh, really a bizarre game, a bizarre ending, a good game. I mean, there's a really good game back and forth. Irving scores 30. Uh, Harden has 18, 8, and 8. Figure the Nets, you're not too worried about what seed they'll be. They'll win plenty of games. You know, As long as they can go 500 the next four to six weeks here without Durant, they're fine. Whether the two seed, three seed, four seed. You know, ideally, you'd like to avoid a situation where you're playing Milwaukee in the second round, kind of like you did last year, where you draw a tough opponent. You know, Milwaukee, whether you want to, however you want to list it, Nets one, Milwaukee two, Milwaukee one, Nets two. Even though that's not how they are in the seedings, those are the two best teams. You don't want to play the other best team in the second round. You want to give them a chance to get beat by Miami, the Bulls, whoever. So you want to avoid Milwaukee as long as you can. If you're Milwaukee, you want to avoid the Nets as long as you can. So. Not a lot of drama for the Nets as long as you're healthy and keeping these guys on the court, which is an issue. Uh, you know, you're going to be in decent shape, but really just a, a comical uh, sequence there. Not comical if you had the Wizards on the money line. Not comical if you're uh, if you're Joseph player or if you're a Wizards fan, but uh, really kind of an embarrassing situation last night. The Knicks were off last night. They've lost two in a row. It's kind of the same story ever since we started this podcast, really, you know, six weeks, two months ago. The Knicks, it's one step forward, one step back. You know, you start to beat up on them a little bit. They lost four out of five. They're treading water. They rally. They win two out of three, three out of four, that kind of thing. Uh, you know, same thing. Monday, I was on the show. I said, you know what? got to give them a little love, a little credit. You know, they had a good win against the Celtics a couple weeks ago. You know, nice win against the Mavs. They beat the Hawks. They won five out of six. Finally over 500 again. First time since the beginning of the year. What happens? They lose to the Hornets at home. They lose a heartbreaker to Minnesota Tuesday night, 112 to 110. Now they get a game. They You don't want to overemphasize it's a regular season game in January. This is kind of a game they have to have if you look at the schedule. They play the Pelicans. They're favored by four. Pelicans have been a disaster without Zion, who never seems to play, never seems to be any signs of him You know, progressing towards playing. Really kind of a sad situation. If, if you're old enough to remember uh, Greg Oden, it's kind of going down that path where you know, Odin didn't bust because he didn't have the talent. Odin busted because he could just never be on the court, stay on the court. Uh, there were some other issues going on with Odin, but you know, Zion was one of the more fun players to watch back at Duke. You know, two or three years ago, uh, came in the league, number one pick. Pelicans were all excited to get him. They traded away Davis. It really hasn't materialized. Now he, he's been really good when he's on the court. Just doesn't seem to be on the court very much. There's some weight issues, some ankle issues. So uh, the Pelicans have played terribly. This is a game the Knicks need to have. Uh, they are now a game under 500, and if you look at the Knicks' schedule coming up, it is an absolute gauntlet, just an absolute gauntlet. I mean, they do get the Clippers at home Sunday. Clippers still no uh, Leonard, no George. That's a winnable game. Not an easy game. Clippers have played okay, but still a winnable game, a game you'll probably be favored in, even though it's probably a slight favorite. 
Uh, but after that, after these two games, listen to this schedule. At the Cavs, who have had a great year, uh, really under the radar year. Legit team, the Cavs. So that's at the Cavs Monday. This is next week. At the Heat Wednesday, at the Bucks Friday. Good luck with that. I mean, that is one and two if you're lucky. Home versus the Kings, home versus the Grizzlies. Then they head west at the Lakers, at the Jazz, at the Nuggets, at the Warriors, at the Blazers. Uh, home for the Thunder, home for the Nets, home for the Heat. Uh, two games with the Sixers, then at Phoenix. I mean, you get the picture here. That takes you into March. That is a brutal next, you know, 15, 20 games. That is, that, that's that got, you know, uh, 6 and 14, 5. I mean, that, that can, if you don't play well here, you could really lose, you know, 13 or 14 out of the next 20. You could really be looking at like a, a 6 and 14 stretch. Uh, kind of clinging to the, the play-in spot. You're at the 11 spot, 11 seed. These teams, you know, 8 through 11, 8 through 12 are all kind of bunched up. But uh, that's the Knicks, the Knicks deal right now. I mean, they, this is a game tonight, Sunday. These are games you have to have when you look at the upcoming schedule because, look, it's the NBA. You can win on any night. And we saw the Rockets win as like 15-point underdogs against the Jazz last night. You'll probably win some of these games. It looks like on paper you're going to lose. But uh, you kind of have to bank some of these easier wins. So, Knicks minus four, Knicks minus 175, minus 180, a cheaper money line at Bet River Sportsbook. I'm all in. I like the Knicks tonight. I think it's a good bet. Uh, I like the Knicks. So that's the NBA. Uh, you know, we're just kind of kind of going along here. Before you know it, I mean, it's still got a good, you know, two months before uh, we come down to the stretch and get into playing games and look at seating and all that stuff. But, you know, the Knicks, the, the big you know, fork in the road moment for them is going to be the trade deadline. Do you kind of go forward and you try to help yourself get into the playoffs? It's not the route I would go. Uh, if I had anybody that another team wanted, I can get an asset back. I can get younger. I can get a pick. That's kind of the direction I would go because even though there's not that great team in the NBA, you know, the Bucks are really good. The Nets, when they're healthy and, and on the floor, are you know could be great. It's kind of a wide open NBA, but still, if you're the Knicks, you, you're really kind of BSing yourself if you think you're a contender, even. You know, to win a round, forget getting to a second round conference finals, NBA finals, just to win a round to me is uh, really far-fetched. I know they had a good year last year and kind of convinced themselves, convinced their fans, hey, we're a four seed, we're a contender. You're really kind of not. You're really kind of not. You're really, you know, a 500 kind of middling team, maybe on the wrong side of 500. So that's the NBA. We like the Knicks tonight, minus four. All right, coming up, we'll talk some NFL with Ben Fox. This is the New York City Cast presented. I bet River Sportsbook. It's been a trip going to New Jersey to place your online sports bets, but those days are over. Legal online sports betting is now live in New York with BetRivers Rivers Sportsbook. Sign up right now. Download the Bet Rivers app or go to BetRivers.com. Get an account and start making your bets right here in New York. You even get up to a $250 match on your first deposit. That's Bet Rivers Sportsbook. Must be 21. Playable New York only. Gambling problem? Call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY 467-369. All right, excited for this one. He is the VP of digital content for VEASAN, a wealth of knowledge when it comes to betting. It is the great Ben Fox. What's going on, Ben? Thanks, man. That's the nicest intro anyone's ever had for me. So, you know, I, I know you also write for us for Point Spread Weekly, so the check's in the mail, but I appreciate it. I appreciate that. That's uh, th that's very nice of you. Uh, let's Speaking of checks, hopefully in the mail, let's try to make the, uh, the listeners some money here. Uh, let's start... Saturday, we got four games. Now, look, the, the games last week and were not good. Uh, hopefully, we're reaping the rewards this week. 
you know, sometimes it happens, the NCAA tournament, the playoffs, you get an upset and it's a lot of fun, but it kind of hurts the next round because, you know, the games aren't as good. Um, I thought the Chargers and the Colts not making the playoffs kind of hurt the first round. You know, the Steelers, the Raiders, some of these teams, even the Eagles, I mean, the Vikings uh, had a big say in that where some of these teams that kind of snuck in uh, really didn't belong. But look, we got eight teams left. They're all pretty good. I would say... The Bengals is a stretch, but other than that, all these teams are pretty capable of making the Super Bowl, winning the Super Bowl. Uh, so let's just get right into it. Saturday, early game, 4.30 Eastern, 1.30 Pacific. Titans-Bengals. Titans, three-and-a-half-point Titans, favorites. Total, 47-and-a-half. Uh, there are some threes out there. There were some two-and-a-halves early that really got gobbled up. I was a little bit surprised by the, I don't want to say disrespect, but that, that's probably not a bad word for for the Titans. You know, it's amazing. The Vikings played that the Bengals week one and, you know, were a bad call away from probably winning that game and who would have known, you know, the Bengals uh, were going to be the division winner. And even the Titans, you know, we're 0-1, down 15 to Seattle, uh, about to go 0-2. They come back, they rally, they win. One seed, gone through 90-something players, the most ever. Uh, give me your thoughts here, Titans, Bengals. Do you have a lean on this game? Yeah, it's a really interesting game. I think you mentioned, too, the Bengals, right? Week one, we didn't even know if Joe Burrow was going to be starting and how he was going to look coming off that ACL tear. And he was a little tentative against the Vikings, played pretty well, obviously made the play in overtime to give them the field goal there to get the win. And he's really only gotten better, especially kind of culminating in that win, really impressive win over the Kansas City Chiefs a few weeks ago. And he looked great, I thought, against the Raiders. I thought that game was closer only because they were settling for some field goals. I mean, they kind of dominated most of that game. Now, that being said, I think every year we head into the divisional round and as the public, right, we remember, kind of like the regular season, you remember what you saw last. Well, we haven't seen the Titans for a while. And when we saw them last, they were up 21-0 against the Houston Texans at halftime and then didn't cover for me uh, and some others in holding on for a victory to get that number one seed. Obviously, they're a lot healthier. We'll see how much Derrick Henry plays. Julio Jones should be healthy. A.J. Brown, their full team. They are a very good team. I think people kind of just assume they're the number one seed. They'll get upset. Nice story. But they're not making the Super Bowl. You just you can't underestimate the value of having that bye week in terms of, you know, the Bengals, for example, lost the defensive tackle, Larry uh, Onjobi. I'll probably butcher that name. But you get players banged up. They do have the advantage of playing a playoff game. But the Titans are a pretty veteran team. I kind of lean the Titans here. We saw this hit uh, four at a couple books before coming back to three and a half. I wouldn't be surprised if it gets back to that. Um, I think that people like the Bengals and like what Joe Burrow and that offense uh, has been doing. Defense has been playing well, too. I just think the Titans are a step up in class here. I'd expect them to cover this number. Even as much as it pains me with a lot of Joe Burrow rookie cards, I'll be rooting for him, rooting for the Bengals. But I think the Titans cover this one. Yeah, Titans got a pretty good draw, too, because you avoid the Chiefs, you avoid the Bills. And look, the Chiefs, they have nobody to blame but themselves. It was against the Bengals, uh, I think, second week, second to last week of the year. I think it was the day after New Year's, or, uh, yeah, January 2nd, I think it was, where Chiefs had a 14-point lead two different times. All they have to do is win that game. They wrap up the one seed. Uh, they get the bye. Now, look, they kind of got a bye last week playing the Steelers anyway. But uh, they'd be the one seed, and it would go through Arrowhead. Now it's kind of rearranged here with a two and the three play, and that's Buffalo and Kansas City. So break for the Bengals, break for the Titans. Uh, yeah, I, I get what you mean about the rest, and I think you know we kind of draw conclusions from whatever happens. If, if the Titans win, we'll say, oh, it was the rest. Uh, that, that's why they won. And if the Bengals win, we'll say, you know what? The, the Titans were rusty. The Bengals got a game under their belt. 
and I could see it both ways. I could definitely see it both ways. Uh, both ways. Remember a couple years ago, the Vikings played the Saints, uh, that overtime game. Late Sunday afternoon, they win. Short week, they play in San Francisco on Saturday afternoon. And, you know, a lot of people picked the Vikings in that game, and they went in there, and they just looked exhausted, tired. I mean, they were just a quick turnaround, and you could see that difference. Now, the flip side of it is, uh, you know, you see these teams, MLB, you know, in terms of the wild card, they get in, they get a game under their belt. The wild card teams typically play well. You know, the NCAA tournament, same thing, where these playing games, uh, they win a game, and they kind of, you know, get their feet settled. Sometimes, you know, we've seen Syracuse make runs to the Sweet 16. We saw VCU one time as a playing team make the Final Four. So uh, I think it can go either way. I, I think the one thing for the Bengals is they did kind of have a bye, you know, that second to last week of the year. It was the last week of the year, two two weeks ago against the Browns, where they kind of rested some guys. Uh, you know, a younger team. Burrow, the one thing about him, man, he, he I think your rookie cards are in good shape because man, he just does not care. He is, you know, he'll go on into Alabama and win. He's won a national championship. You know, he's smoking cigars after the game. He's got some swag. Uh, he'll be around for a long time. It would be... Boy, I can't even wrap my head around the idea of the Bengals playing in an AFC title game, but they are 60 minutes <laughs> away. So uh, either way, we'll, we'll have some new blood. Well, I guess the Titans were there a couple years ago. But, uh, yeah, that's a tough one. It, it's tough to lay three and a half. I just I, I would lean Titans, but I would just it's tough to lay three and a half when you could have gotten three or two and a half. So uh, I think I'll be on the Bengals. I don't know if it's because I like them or I just want to root for them. But uh, should be an interesting game to start off the weekend. Should be a close game. I don't see either team really pulling away in that one. So should be a good game. Uh, Move on to Saturday night, Green Bay minus six, uh, total 47 against the 49ers. I wanted to like the Niners here, but this is their third straight elimination game. They had to beat the Rams to get in, had to come from behind a couple different times, held off Dallas last week. I thought they got very conservative, uh, especially the end of that game. You know, Shanahan kicking field goals, punting the ball. I mean, he's got this great, brilliant offense with all these weapons, and he's kicking the ball away on fourth and an inch. It really kind of drove me nuts. And then the false start. Uh, on fourth and inches, he's running motion. You don't need motion. Stand still, plunge forward. It's the You need the nose of a football. You're doing this motion. It, it's like, I don't know if you're a Seinfeld fan. There's an episode where Kramer does karate, mm -hmm. and Jerry finds out that it's against kids, and he's like, you don't need karate. They're 70 pounds. You can just wring their neck. And that, that, that really drove me nuts the way uh, Shanahan left them in the game, let, let Dallas hang around. They have some injuries here. Warner, Bosa, we'll see. Garoppolo's got a, a shoulder. A wrist issue, that's not a good recipe when it's going to be, you know, five degrees. It's going to be hard for him to get loose. So I wanted to like the Niners. The injuries are kind of scaring me off of this one. Uh, what's your take on this game? Yeah, so number one, huge Seinfeld fan. So definitely love the reference. I, I think the 49ers, there's just, with Kyle Shanahan, there's just still scar tissue, and there always will be from the 28-3 Patriots Super Bowl comeback. And I think you start, and he's the offensive coordinator for the, the Falcons at that point, um, I believe, unless I'm incorrect. That's right, right, right? Yeah, so I think that's always somewhere in there as a, as a head coach. And so I think some of that conservative play calling comes into mind. And some of it is unlike Joe Burrow, who they trust completely. They trust to do everything. Jimmy G is a little bit like a couple years ago when you said they played the Vikings. They were completely dominating the game. He threw a pick at the end of the first half, and they just put the shackles on. They said, you're going to throw the ball three or four times when you absolutely have to. That's it. They still won the game. That's kind of how they played against the Cowboys, and that was before he threw the fourth-quarter interception that then got the Cowboys back in the game. That game was over. I mean, 
the Cowboys were doing nothing. 49ers defense was playing great. 49ers offense was playing great. And I agree. They had, I think it was 13 nothing or so, 10 nothing. It was fourth and one deep in Dallas territory, kicks the field goal instead. You know, with your running game, that's where, especially in kind of the modern NFL, you go for the jugular, you got a touchdown there. Now it's 17 nothing. It doesn't seem like the Cowboys are going to come back at that point. That's the little disconcerting thing. Like you said, they've kind of played a lot of high leverage games over the last few. At some point, that catches up to a team. Now, obviously, as a Vikings fan, I'd like to say the Packers are overrated. I think they have been a little bit. They're also, I believe, 13-4 and four against the number. So they just keep cashing tickets, especially they keep cashing tickets at home. We'll see now with reinforcements coming back. Jair Alexander, uh, Zadarius Smith, I believe, or Preston Smith, mix, mixing up the Smiths, potentially coming back. So already a defense that now when you have backups who have gotten all those snaps, they're used to being a starter. So all of a sudden you have quality depth as well. I don't know that anybody can cover Devontae Adams, but I don't think the San Francisco secondary is particularly great. I thought the Michael Gallup injury for the Cowboys really was a big impact in that game too. So this is another tough one. You never really want to you know, lay six points uh, in, <laughs> in the playoffs. Um, but I would, I would lean to the Packers here as well. I just, this to me seems like a game the Packers kind of get out to an early lead. It's, you know, 14 to three and the, the Niners are kind of trying to get in the back door, but I don't know if they're fully really in the game. Whereas that Cowboys game, they were basically from the jump. It seemed like they were going to at least cover that number, regardless of whether they won the game. Yeah, I totally agree about the Packers being overrated. And you look up and you feel like we say this every year, they're overrated, they're overrated. And you look up, they're 13 and three. And they're like you mm -hmm. said, they're even doing well against the spread. And that's a public team. People want to bet Rodgers, you know, that's up and they still cover the spread. So, you know, it, it's interesting that they're not great against the run, but like you said, they're getting healthier. Uh, I don't know that, you know, maybe a first quarter under here is in play because you figure uh, that strategy of just run, run, run until you absolutely have to throw is in play. We mentioned Shanahan can be conservative. Uh, let's see the first quarter under. It's usually around 10. So maybe, you know what, they, they try to play a little ball control. If San Fran gets the ball first, they try to, you know, use the game clock, use the play clock, run until you, you have to throw. Uh, that'll make that clock go by uh, a little quicker here. You know, and the Packers guess, are rarely a tempo team as well. They, yeah, they definitely are going to go on long, long drives. They, yeah, they want to get the touchdown. They don't care if it takes eight minutes or it takes three minutes. Um, so, yeah, I, I like that one. We should say, too, this number opened four and a half or so. It's yeah. gone up to six. That was the opposite of the Cowboys game, which opened four, four and a half, got down to three and a half. I think three, in a Cowboys three in some places. Um, so we've seen we've seen kind of the support early on Green Bay. I'd be surprised if we see a ton of support for San Francisco. I think if anything, this number will continue to go up depending on reports of Jimmy Garoppolo's health. Yeah, I kind of think I'd be surprised if Garoppolo didn't play. Um, I, I'd be surprised if he didn't play. Now, if he didn't, I, I think some people grab this number figure. You know what? If Garoppolo is out, I have a great position. I, I can buy back on San Fran plus eight or nine. And if he doesn't, you know what? I got a fair number. So maybe it's a little bit of a free roll. Uh, I think once Saturday comes around, you know, Green Bay probably be a good teaser, a popular teaser piece. Tease it from six down to zero. I figure, you know, I just have to win the game. Uh, it's a shame because I think if San Fran were healthy, it's a good matchup for San Francisco. They can pressure uh, Rodgers. They can run the ball. They got, you know, Samuel, Ayuk. They got a million different weapons uh, on offense. I just don't know that they're healthy, and that's part of, you know, the wild card. That's part of the advantage of the bye. You don't get to, 
to rest those bumps and bruises while Green Bay can sit back and, and kind of uh, get healthier here. So, uh, yeah, I, I want to pick San Francisco. I want to like San Francisco again. It's just so dependent uh, on the health here. And, and, you know, the and weather, just to finish up, too. Yeah. If Jimmy G gets injured or isn't playing, I'm right. hammering the Packers. I, right. I, I had the Texans plus 13 and a half uh, against Trey Lance, which was in San Francisco. I still don't know how the Texans didn't cover that number, but Trey Lance was not good. And that was at yeah. home against the, you know, the Houston Texans. He's just very inaccurate. This is on the road at Lambeau Field. I just don't see that uh, going well for him. So if if at some point he gets in there, I would be looking in game at the Packers. Yeah, that's a really good point. And he played against Arizona, you know, early in the year. I think it was, uh, you know, October something like that. He did not look ready. He looked like a project. He looked like a guy who was a year mm -hmm. away from being a year away. I uh, remember he he had a run towards the goal line, and it's, you know he's used to playing one double A or whatever. He's not used to lowering the shoulder and running these guys over. Remember, he, he ran towards the goal line, and he just got plowed. Where All you have to do is stick the ball out, lower your shoulder, you get in. It's definitely a different uh, different animal here going from one double A to the NFL. And he played a little better that second half against Houston, but like you said, if he gets hurt, and that's another thing you have to think about, just because Garoppolo starts, look, he could get one hit here, land on the frozen tundra, and three plays into the game, he's out. So just because he's starting the game doesn't mean he's going to finish the game. So, uh, yeah, I think that's a good point. Uh, I think we covered that game pretty well. That's the Saturday night game. On to Sunday afternoon, and this is where it gets a little depressing. You know, on the East Coast, Sunday at 1, you're used to your fantasy lineups being set. You're used to all the props, your bets. It's kind of uh, the culmination of the week. It's nothing like Sunday at 1 o'clock, Sunday at 10 o'clock on the West Coast when all the games kick off. This week, we don't have that. The er, The first game isn't till 3.05. You know, three, they say 3.05. It's usually 3.10, something like that. So no football early. Kind of depressing. We don't think, if you think about it, there's no football at 1 o'clock until next September. It's kind of a... A sad thought. This is a few years ago where they pushed this divisional round first game back a little bit for whatever reason. I'm sure there's uh, ratings behind it, money. People watch later in the day. I'm, I'm guessing it does take that second game a little later. But uh, Bucks and the Rams. Now, this has gone between three, two and a half. I think there's still some two and a halves out there, mostly three, 48 and a half. Bucks have some issues here. Offensive line. Worfs left the game, the right tackle for Tampa last week. Came back, got bull rushed, didn't look good, came right back out of the game. Uh, Jensen, the center for the Bucks, another good player, left the game. Uh, seems like he's on track to play. That's not a good recipe, though, to be shaky on the offensive line, especially up the middle when you're facing Aaron Donald in the Rams. Brady does have a, a habit uh, of getting the ball out of his hand quickly, making plays, you know, getting into his skill guys, but they're beat up. No Godwin, you know, obviously Antonio Brown uh, is naked somewhere, not in the league anymore. Uh, this line two and a half, three. Take it where take it wherever you want to go. What, what do you like in this one? Yeah, I was very, so you know I have a uh, a pool that I'm in where you pick every single game against the spread and you read everything on the internet. You talk to people, and then somehow I ended up betting against Tom Brady and against Patrick Mahomes last week. And you kind of go, what am I? What are you doing here? There was a lot of respected money on Philadelphia uh, last week. That line got down to seven. Uh, in some places after opening eight and a half. It just, it's always something to remember, right? Who is the quarterback that you're backing? And especially in their first playoff start. And Jalen Hurts just didn't look ready. I think all of the warts potentially he has the quarterback were exposed and whether that was not really being able to read the full field. Even Aikman was pointing out a couple times, he's just late, you know, in the NFL, you can't see a guy open. You got to throw it, assume he's going to be there. He can catch the ball. 
And Hertz just wasn't really ready for that. On the other side, I was kind of impressed at how quickly the Bucks were moving the ball. Uh, a, I bet the under, which barely got there. So <laughs> they're moving it too quickly. They were going a little up-tempo as well, for my taste, uh, from betting perspective. But it's Tom Brady. He's always going to find kind of someone that's open. And they really didn't have to throw deep. Um, but that was also against the Eagles, which don't have as good a pass rush as the Rams do. And I think what's really interesting in this game and why I'm leaning the Rams is that for the Bucks, they do tend to spread it out. They're not necessarily going to have one kind of target, but that's when you have Antonio Brown and Chris Godwin and Mike Evans and Gronk. It's really hard to cover all those weapons. Well, the Rams kind of have an eraser in Jalen Ramsey, who's you would one would expect going to follow Mike Evans around. And he is the big target. You could see Brady still getting frustrated with Tyler Johnson, some of the other wide receivers who weren't lining up properly, who weren't running their routes at the depth he thought they were going to. They just don't have that same familiarity, whereas Chris Godwin and others, they know that, you know, he knows them like the back of his hand. He knows where they're going to be. They're extremely difficult to stop when they're all healthy. Well, they're not. And now you add in the Tristan Wirfs injury, uh, whether or not he plays, he you know, he went back in that game. He was at, I don't know, 30%. I mean, he, he, you would think the backup would be better than him on one ankle, uh, which is eventually what they did. But that's a massive injury. He's one of the best left tackles in the league. Obviously, you mentioned Jensen, the center. I think I like the Rams here. You always have to worry a little bit about Stafford. We're very familiar with him. He can be, he's a little trick or treat quarterback. You know, when he looks good uh, and he looked great. In the, especially the first half against the 49ers, not necessarily the second half in Week 18. He looked good in the playoff game. When he's good, he is a top five, easily top 10 guy. When he's not, he's pretty bad uh, and can make some questionable decisions. They're on the road, but again, they're in Tampa Bay, right? It's not Lambeau Field. It's going to be nice, nice weather. I, I think the Rams have the star power to get it done, and they really are on that kind of Super Bowl or bust. You know, they trade away all these picks. This is kind of their year, uh, this year, potentially next year. So I think if you're going to take down the Bucks, this is the time you have to do it when there's injuries. I think at full strength, I would think this line is more like four, uh, four and a half for the Bucks. But with those injuries, I think I'd still lean, lean the Rams. Uh, and if you're really not sure, maybe wait in game for a couple drives and kind of see how it, see how it goes. Maybe Tampa gets up early, you get a better number, uh, or maybe Tampa just looks great and you stay away. Yeah, I'm kind of surprised that it's that the Rams have taken money. I saw the threes and I said, you know what? Part of the game here is in betting is finding out, figuring out where the number is going to go, and just grabbing a good number and you're going to be in pretty good shape. Now you can debate closing line value and all that stuff. The idea is to win the bet. I understand that, but uh, are you surprised? Like, let me ask you this: Where do you think the line closes? We're seeing two and a half threes minus one twenty. Uh, what do you think we ultimately close this line at? I think it's in between there. Yeah. I, I think maybe it goes down a tick to, to two. I think it's a lot more likely to go down to two than it is up to three, three and a half. And I think that's based on the Tristan Wirfs and other injuries. I think if if he's out and, you know, for the most part, offensive tackles aren't going to mean that much. But I think you also have to, that probably is worth half a point to the spread when you factor in who, the, who he's going up against rush-wise, right? You have him, and on the other yeah. side, you have Aaron Donald and that defensive line. They're already great. They're that much greater if then one of them is going up against a backup. 
you know, you can you can only chip on so many <laughs> on so many players. So I just think that makes a massive difference. Um, again, it's still Tom Brady, whether or not he's the greatest of all time, that's a debate we don't need to have, but he's pretty great and he's pretty great in the playoffs. So this is still a short number with a team that is still the Super Bowl champions, even with all those injuries. It's, it's a really good game. I think it's a little bit of an underrated game with the later game on Sunday being the marquee one. Yeah, and, and it's a cliche. It's almost not worth repeating, but I'll, I'll say it anyway. The key to Brady is pressuring him, pressuring him up the middle, pressuring him without blitzing. He, he's not going to run away. Now, he's a little more mobile in the pocket than you think. He can kind of move his feet and just either dump the ball or, you know, he's smart enough to know where the pressure's coming from. But it's really hard, you know, when you get pressure up the middle, he can't step into his throws. And uh, that's that's the key. That's the recipe. You know, we saw the Giants in the Super Bowl. When Brady struggled, it, it's pressure. It's pressure in his face. Uh, so if the Rams... You know, have that have that formula. Uh, I could obviously seeing it, seeing them. You know, be in the game. Tampa's not at full strength compared to where they were last year. I think they're getting a little healthier on the run defense with JPP back, Barrett back. Uh, this is even at two and a half. This is in pretty good teaser range for the Rams. You know, you tease it up to eight and a half. We'll get to the Bills game here in a minute. Uh, Bills plus seven and a half. Rams plus eight and a half. Sounds pretty good. I just have a hard time. Have you bet this yet? I, I would suggest this if you haven't bet it yet. Before you do, just go in the mirror and say, "I am going to." bet Matthew Stafford against Tom Brady in a playoff game. And as long as you can look yourself in the mirror and hit submit, then you go ahead and you do it. I, I have not bet this yet. Uh, I think teaser is probably the route that I would go because you obviously feel better with the eight and a half than the two and a half or three, depending where it is. Uh, but I think with Tristan works out, I, I would pull the trigger. Again, I, you know, I'm not betting $10,000 a game. So <laughs> it's uh, a little a little less for me. Should mention, too, uh, the Rams beat them early in the year. It was 34-24. I think it was 34-17 late, and the Bucks got a cheap touchdown late. Not cheap, but, you know, backdoor uh, kind of garbage time touchdown. And last year, the Monday before Thanksgiving, Monday of Thanksgiving week, the Rams with Goff went into Tampa, I believe it was, and won that game by four or five points uh, in Tampa. So uh, maybe it's a matchup thing. Maybe the Rams... Uh, just you know, have their number here uh, against Tampa. Now, another thing to mention: the Rams do have a little bit of a rest travel uh, scenario here, where they played Monday night. Now they have to fly across the country on a shorter week. Where Tampa, big surprise, Tom Brady gets the rest advantage. He gets to play Sunday to Sunday, where the Rams have to play uh, have to play Monday to Sunday. Is that factor in at all? Is that a concern at all? Or is that something you kind of you can overlook? I'm less concerned with it, only too, because I think you have to factor in like uh, playoff basketball kind of the high leverage minutes, right? Yeah. The, the Rams, that game was over in the second quarter. I mean, in the fourth quarter, uh, and those of us who bet the Cardinals and were rooting for Kyler Murray to score a touchdown to get to hit the over uh, against backups, he couldn't even do that. So the, the final couple drives, you know, Jalen Ramsey's out, Aaron Donald's out, most of the starting defense is out. Uh, they really didn't have to sweat that game from, you know, I don't know, halftime on. So I think just mentally it's a little... A little easier uh, to make that trip, whereas let's say the 49ers, that was a a game the entire time, and especially <laughs> in the fourth quarter when it maybe shouldn't have been. Um, I think the Rams had a little easier time. And remember the Eagles late, I think in that first quarter, second quarter, it was like three straight drives. They ended with a sack, and Brady will start to get the happy feet when he sees that pass rush getting there. He doesn't try to escape. He kind of just ducks down into it, knowing the sack is coming. So. I think that's really the concern. And if you know, if you know he's throwing quick, get up on those receivers, and they just don't have that game breaker, right? Maybe Ronald Jones is back. Maybe Leonard Fournette is back. 
they weren't in that first game. I just don't think they have the horses here, even as great as Brady is. I think the Rams are just a better team with those injuries on Tampa Bay. Yeah, and it really it sets up some really good storylines, regardless of who wins, because if it's ever uh, the Bucks versus the 49ers, well, you have the whole storyline of Brady versus Garoppolo, the, the Patriots guys, uh, who amazingly neither of them are in New England anymore. If it's Bucks packers it's a rematch from last year, same venue, uh, Rodgers versus Brady. So uh, there's some good storylines. I, I think we'll eventually end up with a, a pretty uh, compelling Super Bowl uh, with, with how good all the, these eight teams are. Speaking of the Super Bowl, you can make the case this is an early Super Bowl, an early AFC title game. The game of the day, the game of the year, Bills and the Chiefs. Chiefs are home. Chiefs are favored. It's gone back and forth. One and a half, two. It's never quite gotten to a field goal. It's never qu quite gotten into a pick. Pick'em game. It's kind of in that dead range where, you know, not a pick, not a field goal. One and a half, two and a half. Definitely in teaser range for the Bills. Total 54 and a half. Uh, this is actually the fourth time these teams have played since the start of last year. They played in the regular season last year in the playoffs. Same thing last year, uh, this year, regular season playoffs. This is actually the third trip for Buffalo to Kansas City in the last 12 months when you think they they played, uh, they went to Kansas City the end of January last year. Then they went there, you know, early October this year, and they're coming back to Kansas City. Uh, they won 38-20 in Kansas City, the Bills did. Uh, take it wherever you want to go. I know a lot of people are on the Bills here. To me, it's just hard to bet against Mahomes at home. Andy Reid still give him a little bit of an edge. It's a big home field. We talk about not all home fields are equal. Arrowhead's not an easy place to win. Uh, what do you like in this game? So this this is a game I think is perfect for a teaser. Um, you know, this is one I teased uh, the Bills and the under, um, or excuse me, the over. So I got the over down, I think it was 49. Uh, these are just two highly efficient offenses, two teams that are going to go for it on fourth down. Two teams that know they need to score touchdowns to beat the other team. Uh, I think if Josh Allen plays like he did against the Patriots, the Bills are probably not only beating the Chiefs, they're winning the Super Bowl. Because I, I just don't think you can really stop an offense like that. He can run anytime he wants. He's very hard to tackle. He has a cannon for an arm. He's making all those throws in, you know, zero, three degree temperature. Well, what's it going to be when it's 30 degrees, right? Or nice weather. Uh, he looked unbelievable. At the same time, uh, I tweeted this out. This is now gets down to minus one and a half, minus two. Patrick Mahomes has never been less than a two and a half point home favorite in his career. So it's just very difficult to bet against him. I think if I was betting without a teaser, I would still lean the Chiefs just because you want to always think about as well what ticket, you know, the. The, you want the ticket that cashes, obviously, but also you don't want to feel dumb when the ticket doesn't, right? And so I think this, in a lot of cases, is like betting against the Belichick-Brady Patriots, where it's like, I'm going to feel really smart if I have this team and I took them plus eight, you know, and then it's the Colts and it's 45 to seven. And you're like, all right, well, why didn't I just take, you know, lay the points with the Patriots? I think it's a little bit like that with the Chiefs. There's certain losses that stick with teams. You could tell the Bills were really perturbed by that 14 to 10 loss on Monday Night Football against the Patriots, and they could not wait to play them again. And that's why they were shoving it in their face late in the game, right? The, the Bills have also run up some scores late and yeah. covered some numbers during the regular season. That's kind of their MO, but they wanted to stomp the Patriots and, uh, because of that, and they did. And that was kind of one of the hurdles they had to clear 
I think it's a little bit like, you know, Michael Jordan's Bulls, right? You got to get past the Pistons at some point. You got to get past those teams. This is the team for the Bills. They built their team to beat the Chiefs. They went in there last last year and didn't play that bad a game. It just kind of got away from them. A couple decisions, you know, a couple fourth downs and things go against them. And when the Chiefs offense is on, it's a little bit like the Bills last week where it's just kind of like, all right, we're hoping to hold them to a field goal because they're scoring something every single drive, basically. And I would still lean the Chiefs. I think it's going to be a fantastic game. I can't wait to watch it. It is a shame that it's not the AFC championship game because I do think it's the two best teams in the AFC, potentially the two best teams in the league overall. But I still think at the end of the day, you have to kind of lean lean the Chiefs. I think Jarek McKinnon has made a big difference uh, in that Chiefs offense. And the, I know, I know. An- another former Viking. Uh, we already saw Daniel Carlson kick the oh, Raiders into gosh. the playoffs. I-, I just, it's really hard to bet against the Chiefs at this short a number. So that's why I tease the Bills. I think, like you said, a, a Bills-Rams teaser uh, is not a bad way to go. You always want to be a little careful with the teasers for Green Bay, for example, not crossing that seven and crossing that three. You're not going to get as much value uh, from the teaser if you do that. But yeah, I, I, I like the Bills in a tease. I just think they're going to be able to score. And that's why I also like the over. It's it, it would be difficult for me to see this as kind of a 24-21 yeah, game. I, I just think that could be the score You know, at the end of the first half. Um, the, these two teams know they need to outscore the other one to win. I just don't think it's going to be a defensive battle. Um, even those, long, even if they're longer drives, I think they also know they need to score touchdowns. The only way that stays under is if it is a lot of fourth and three, fourth and four long drives that they end up not getting. And then all of a sudden, you know, it's 10 to seven at halftime because there's been a bunch of long drives and missed fourth down conversions. But I, I still lean the Chiefs. It should be a fantastic game. Yeah, I think you hit on something. And one of my best bets for this game, under three and a half total field goals made. I just don't think mm-hmm. you can kick field goals in this game. You, you can't bring uh, a knife to a rifle range. You can't pick up, bring a BB gun to a rifle range, whatever the saying is. Uh, the Bills really got in trouble last year, kicking a short field goal right before the half, kicking a short field goal, you know, third quarter. They're down two scores, double digits, and you're kicking short field goals. It's just not going to get it done. I think they'll go to school on that last year. And, you know, fourth and one, fourth and two from the eight, I think Allen's going to be under there and they're going to be, you know, running some read option. I think. Whether they get it or not, I, I think they'll go for the throw. I think expecting four field goals made here. Now, there's going to be a lot of offense, a lot of scoring chances, but I think uh, under field goals is probably a way to go. And, uh, you know, you can look at Bet Rivers has a lot of these props and go through them because it's worth going through them. You can find some good value. Uh, usually have uh, fourth down conversions prop, you know, yes, no, over a half, something like that. I, I would expect a fourth down conversion to be uh, completed in this game. Now, it might be pricey. I haven't found that one yet. Sometimes those pop up later to the game, but I would expect a fourth down conversion in this game. I, I think both teams will be uber aggressive, you know, matching point for point. I, I'm with you on an over, uh, and I just think you can't kick field goals in this game. You can't punt. You know, if you're kicking a field goal in this in this game, barring something unforeseen, you're kind of falling behind. You're kind of playing into the other team's hands. So a lot of fun, a uh, lot of fun. And, and like you said, it's just so... It's not a good feeling to bet against Mahomes. I feel like people, you know, picking the Bills to win kind of just to be different. Sometimes contrarian is a good thing in betting, but sometimes you can be contrarian just to be contrarian. Don't overthink it. It's, man, Mahomes is kind of in that LeBron James, Mike Trout territory where he's just been so good for for so long now, three or four years, where you just kind of take him for granted. Even the other night against Pittsburgh, 
you know, it's 7 nothing. They're kind of moseying along, middle of the, the second quarter, and boom. I mean, it's 42 points before you can blink an eye. Yeah, there's few quarterbacks who can flip that switch, right? Sometimes it's Aaron Rodgers, too, where just every pass is seems like it's perfect. Mahomes has that. I will say, though, Josh Allen has had that, yeah. especially recently. I like the under field goal prop, too, because if there's one area of need, not need, uh, one area that they could improve from that Patriots win, it was Tyler Bass. He was very shaky, missed a couple extra points, did not look really good, didn't matter in the least in that game. But if it's a 50-50 call, if you're Sean McDermott and it's fourth and four from the Kansas City 36-yard line, I think you're probably going for it as opposed to trusting a kicker who didn't look good last week. Yeah, I'm with you. Uh, all right, so we covered all four games. Let's just quickly, we'll get to coaches here. If you're a Vikings fan, the Vikings need a coach. We talk a lot of Giants here. Uh, Joe Judge is not walking through that door. The Giants need a coach. Now, I'm not going to let you say Flores because people ask me too, like, you know, who do you think the Giants coach should be, will be? I think feel like Flores is an easy answer. He did a good job in Miami. We all think he got a raw deal. Uh, so I'll take Flores out of the mix here. Are there any of these coordinators, former coaches, you know, Biennemi, Kellen Moore, Doug Peterson, are there any of these guys you like, you don't like? Give me some thoughts here on who you like as a coaching candidate uh, for either of these teams, really. Yeah, I mean, I think Flores is interesting. I'll give you five minutes on Flores. No, I'm kidding. <laughs> I, I think he's also interesting because of all the reports that we've heard with him be, potentially being tied to Deshaun Watson. Yeah. And that's kind of the major, major wild card for this entire offseason. You know, along with Aaron Rodgers, along with Russell Wilson, there could be a lot of big-time quarterbacks on the market. And kind of if they're tied to a head coach, I think a team like the Giants would probably take a potential lesser head coach to also trade in and kind of cash in on that big quarterback, right? Now, that being said, if you're just going by kind of the value uh, of the head coaches, I think it probably has been time, should be time for Eric Bieniemy, obviously former Vikings running back coach with Adrian Peterson. Just, you know, people in Kansas City love him as well. And he's been with Andy Reid for a while now. I think he seems like a good candidate uh, as well for the Giants. And I think you need somebody who has, he seems like he also has the personality for that New York market. Uh, you know, definitely laid into Adrian Peterson and that, you know, coaches him hard. I think he'd be able to do well in that, you know, I think sometimes we underestimate the New York market and the media pressure and all that, but that's a real thing. You know, it, it's different than when you're in Kansas City or, you know, even a team like Buffalo where that's the main, you know, draw uh, outside of, let's say, the Sabres in that area. It's not New York City. And so I think you need a coach uh, that can handle that. And so I would just go for one of those more, give someone a shot as opposed to kind of a retread like a Doug Peterson you know, I, I still don't think we know how good he was versus Frank Reich as the offensive coordinator for the Eagles. I, I think, you know, give somebody a shot who you believe in, who's impressive. Uh, and generally, we've seen a lot of these first-time younger coaches, uh, which wouldn't be as much the enemy, have success, right, with Sean McVay. I would, I would just say let the interview process and, and pick the person who is best not pick the person who a couple years ago, right, was related to Sean McVay or had a cup of coffee with Sean McVay, <laughs> you know, but see who see who's the best candidate and go from there. But I think the enemy would be not a bad place to land, certainly for the Giants. And it's a fairly attractive job in that market. You have two top 10 picks. You probably don't have a quarterback. I'm sure most Giants fans 
uh, my fiance being one of them, would say Daniel Jones isn't isn't the answer. Uh, but there are some pieces on that team, and he was injured most of the season. But Kadarius Tony is a serious talent, uh, and they got him by also trading back to pick up that first round pick, which now is in the top ten. So. We'll see how that deal looks with obviously the potential they could have had Justin Fields, but it's or Parsons or or Micah Parsons, yep. yeah. But you get those; those are the types of deals you have to judge a couple years down the road. There's not going to be any winners or losers uh, early, unless maybe it's Jalen Rager you took instead of Justin Jefferson. But I, I think it's a really interesting job, and especially with those two top ten picks. Yeah, and you don't have a quarterback, but sometimes maybe that's a, you can look at that as a good thing where I don't have a quarterback I'm tied to. I don't have to walk in and, you know, Kirk Cousins is making $40 million or this quarterback, I'm married to him for the next three years. Jones probably is going to get one more audition year, probably for a couple reasons. I think, you know, you got draft picks, but there's not a great quarterback on the draft. New regime. Uh, you know, he looked good. What's the what's the saying? Absence makes the heart grow fonder. I was never a huge fan of Jones, but when he went out, I mean, they couldn't get the ball past midfield. Mm-hmm. It, it almost really makes him look good. Now, it's an issue because he hasn't stayed on the field. I mean, he's been in the league three years. He's missed significant time in all three years. It sounds like he's not going to be ready till August with this neck thing, which kind of goes untalked about because, you know, the story was judged. The story was, you know, how bad the Giants are. But that's kind of a scary thing. You know, to be out that long with a neck injury. When it first came out, I remember they were playing the Dolphins that week. It's like, oh, he's, you know, it was on a Tuesday. It's like, oh, he's he's out this week with, with a neck strain. And, you know, some of the, I know Pro Football Doc on, on Twitter does a great job, you know, helps you with betting, with fantasy. He said, wait a second, you know, a neck strain shouldn't be that serious. There's something deeper here. So, uh, bottom line, though, I do think Jones will get another year. You kind of give him, you know, a show me year where, you know, you're not going to give him a long term deal. You're not going to cut him. Maybe you bring in a veteran, maybe you draft someone. But, uh, you know, the Giants are patient with these coaches, so that that's a positive. Uh, you know, like you said, it's just, it's so hard to know with these coordinators, isn't it? I mean, we can judge based on, you know, things we see or things we like or don't like. And I think Kellen Moore probably, I don't know if he played himself out of a job. I would say Dable probably played himself into a job. Um, so it's just so hard to know, you know, with these coordinators, what you're getting, because, you know, if you get the enemy, you're not taking Mahomes and Kelsey and Hill with them. We saw that for a while with Seattle, where people would hire the Seahawks defensive coordinators because they had great defense. It's like, guess what? You're not bringing Richard Sherman and Cam Chancellor and all these guys with them. So, uh, you know, it's always tough to tell who's what with these coordinators. For sure. And I think the biggest thing with Daniel Jones is just we've seen that with Teddy Bridgewater, right? He isn't the elite quarterback. He doesn't turn the ball over. That's what he prides himself on doing. You give yourself a chance to win games. Daniel Jones is an absolute turnover machine. And if he could cut down on that, he could be potentially a, I don't want to say a franchise quarterback, but somebody who can probably win with. But at a certain point, you are who you are, like the Bill Parcells with your record. And this just kind of seems to be who he is. And I think that's the issue. He can make a lot of very nice throws. He is very mobile. Sometimes it seems like he's still not picking up necessarily what the defense is doing, which should come with more reps. But he just, it's very clear, right, in the top 10, he's not a guy, he's not a Joe Burrow, he's not a Justin Herbert, right? You know, Justin Herbert, what did he go, six, I think? Daniel Jones was five, five or six. Yeah, yeah, because two, I believe, was fifth, and Herbert went right after him. Right, so they're right in the same range. Those are two very different quarterbacks. And so it just... You know, it's always tough to cut bait, especially with someone you draft that high. Uh, they don't have a number one pick. I don't think this is a situation like the Cardinals where you take Josh Rose in the year before at 10 and you realize, oh, my God, this isn't the guy. Now we have the number one pick. We can take Kyler Murray. That's a different discussion whether he's the guy, but he's definitely an upgrade. 
the Giants will likely have their pick of quarterbacks if they want, you know, a Matt Corral, a Malik Willis, um, a Kenny Pickett. They probably will be able to get whoever they want. It's going to be a little high probably for one of those guys. So it's just a question of whether they want to pull that trigger or give Daniel Jones another shot, maybe take a bridge quarterback with him uh, for next season. Yeah, no doubt. All right, one more. We'll get you out of here. We'll finish up. But I just want to talk about New York just uh, in general. Sports betting, mobile betting uh, has become legal now in New York. Would figure it's going to do really well. I mean, New Yorkers are passionate about sports. They love sports. You know, they're competitive. They're feisty. Uh, what do you see here with uh, mobile betting becoming legalized in New York? What direction uh, do you see it going? How well do you think it'll do? Yeah, so we got the first numbers uh, reported from New York. And so the, for that first weekend where you had four operators uh, going, they had $150 million over the weekend. So just to put in context, uh, the state of Connecticut, where you are, had $150 million for all of December combined. So now these are obviously two very different population states, right? I think Arizona in September had $286 million or so. Uh, in handle for their first month. It, it's going to be a giant number. Uh, New York, I think, had $360 million total, so a little over double for retail sports betting since inception in July 2019. So two plus years, or two and a half years, they had, you know, double the amount basically as this one weekend. You know, they're gonna they're gonna clear that for January. It's gonna be a big number. Uh, I think there were potentially some downstate casino licenses that were approved, meaning maybe there's a sports book coming to New York City, other places closer to the city. You know, I think I would just say for all the betters, make sure you're doing your research. Definitely check out all the stuff we're doing on vcin.com and other places. I think people are getting very into all of the promos and just, you know, just have to remember that those aren't a given, right? I think people now feel like, oh, I should be given 300 free dollars to bet with. You know, bet those smartly, realize what you're betting, realize why you're making those bets. You know, just because you have $300 doesn't mean you should just bet it on, uh, you know, the, the Rams this weekend just because you can. You know, you should figure out how best to parcel it out um, and really figure out kind of strategies for betting, especially if it's something you want to be in the long run. I think there's nothing more frustrating than getting a bonus, losing it, you know, betting the money you had in your account, losing it, and then going, oh, well, why is this so fun for everybody? Why is this sweeping the nation, right? So, it, you know, sports betting is hard. It's difficult. Uh, I think it can be very fun, but you really need to kind of have an education in it. It's a little bit like the stock market, and that's why VEASAN kind of is the CNBC of sports betting. We want to also give you all of these strategies. I think New York's going to be a fascinating market. I think over the coming months, especially with the Super Bowl, we'll really start to get a true sense uh, with all of the operators up and running. We'll have nine operators. You know, everyone's going to be able to bet from their couch. I think it's going to be really interesting to see what that handle number comes from. I'm also interested to see, maybe I'm thinking too much about this, uh, what kind of, and maybe they can track this from GeoComply, uh, how much numbers and how much handle comes from the airports as well. Right. All of a sudden, I have a two-hour layover at LaGuardia, two-hour layover uh, at JFK. Now I can also place a bet on sports, uh, which I couldn't do before. So I think it's just going to be a tremendous number. Uh, we know how passionate New York fans are, Knicks, Nets. Certainly, you're going to see with baseball as well, assuming there's a season. Um, I, I think it's going to be fascinating to see. 
I think everyone just needs to make sure you're doing your research, um, even with this big new shiny toy. And also for a lot of people, you know, this isn't the first time they've been betting. They've been betting just offshore with the bookie uh, in other ways that we wouldn't necessarily recommend for a variety of reasons. Now you can do it legally. So I think New York probably already has uh, a pretty educated population in terms of betting. But I think just for a lot of people that are new to doing it, you know, you're going to see the promos, you're going to see the ads, you're going to see everyone and their sister on Twitter posting their picks. Really understand why you're making the bet that you are making. Um, have some sort of a system, have some sort of a reasoning, and I think go from there and everyone will uh, should be able to have fun and, and hopefully make some money too. But I don't think there's anything worse than losing money on the bets, having no reason why you made the bets, and then losing more money while you're doing it. it it's not a fun experience. So just make sure that you know, you're know you kind of staying within your means, and I think it'll be a great market for everybody. And it, it's one we've been waiting to see come online, along with uh, Florida and Texas and California. It's kind of one of the first big, big markets. I think it's going to be really interesting to track all the numbers. Sounds good. Yeah, I mean, I'm, I'm almost surprised. I know we're the same age. I'm surprised how mainstream it's gotten. I don't know if you feel the same way where you're watching a baseball game and then all of a sudden, instead of showing you know, the bullpen, who's warming up, they, they flash a graphic. It's, you know, this guy, his over-under for, for strikeouts is, uh, you know, three and a half. I think I was watching a Rockies game and it's legal in Colorado. So it's just kind of, uh, just kind of matter-of-factly, you know, um, integrated into the sports coverage. Are you surprised how mainstream it's gotten? I'm surprised it's been this quick. I think, yeah. though, it, it, it helps to um, set a precedent, helps to dictate any conversation, right? I always go back to Mayweather McGregor. How in the world do you talk about that fight without having odds on it, right? right. That's kind of the first thing you would discuss as to, oh, who's going to win? Well, who would I bet on? I, I think that's the same thing. I kind of separate things into kind of hard gambling news and soft gambling news. And for the soft gambling news, I think that's who's going to win the World Series, the NBA title, the MVP. These are things you can just incorporate into a broadcast that have nothing really to do necessarily even with value or who you're going to bet. It's just interesting to know the player, the team that is the Super Bowl favorite, right? It's just another way you can talk sports radio or everything else. You don't have to say, I really love the value on the Buffalo Bills. It's just interesting to know which team is the Super Bowl favorite. So. I think people have been a lot more comfortable and casual having those conversations. And it kind of goes back to the, you know, are, do you want to be smarter with your friends at a bar? I think a lot of this stuff kind of helps with that analytics and all that sports betting. I would say it's just another prism kind of to, to view and to analyze the games. And it will make you smarter as a fan, even if you don't place any bets on any of the games. So I think it's just another interesting data point that people are using. Um, and I think it's helped to inform and make a lot of those sports broadcasts smarter, even if people aren't betting off of them. Yeah, I wonder what the like the next step is. Is there more coming? Like, you know, we mentioned Shanahan's decisions the other day. Is it come a point where it's like that they're showing the money line, you know, before the decision, the money line after the decision? Like, you know, are, are we going to get into a point where mainstream broadcasts is they're updating spreads? I know it was was it the XFL. It was one of those you know one off leagues. I think it was the XFL where they XFL, updated the yeah. live betting line, you know, during the game. I wonder if, you know, that's the next step. It seems like it's going one way and it's going towards, you know, more coverage, more uh, discussion with these these in-game betting lines, everything. I think we'll, we'll be going there gradually. I don't think anytime soon, for example, the NFL will have like a gambling expert, right, who's, you know, 
uh, giving in-game right in-game advice. I think for the XFL it was a little different. Uh, I was actually at ESPN still when that league was launching, uh, and gambling was a big part of the conversations with the league beforehand to help it stand out, right? And so you knew that a lot of the interest was going to be because of gambling, and that's why kind of they kept the line up there. You know, the NFL doesn't necessarily need that gimmick. Um, I think we'll see more integration as well. In-game just gets a little tricky with delays and feeds and all of that stuff as well. So we're we're definitely going to get there. It's going down that path. And I think it's important as well not to go too quickly, uh, too fast, because that's when something kind of goes wrong and, and then people peel back the curtain and say, you know, I think it's the same reason where if there is a gambling scandal, whether that's point shaving, whether that's something else, it's going to happen regardless, but it will be blamed on legalized gambling. And I think that's the kind of biggest hurdle, potentially, if something like that happens. People are going to say, oh, well, we told you, this is why we can't do it. All this was going on anyway. Um, all the estimates of illegal betting were whatever, $150 billion, $400 billion, hundreds of billions that were being wagered. Um, but I think we've had a, a good amount of growth. I think it's going at a a good pace, but potentially breakneck. Um, but I think it's exciting to see all the new integrations and the way that kind of people are uh, hopefully responsibly using all those. All right, Ben. Well, thanks for coming on. You've been uh, very generous with your time. I I'm sure you have much more important things to do than this podcast. So go do those important things. I I'd love to have you on again. I enjoyed it. Uh, follow him at bfox22. Thanks for coming on, Ben. Appreciate it. Thanks, man. All right. Thank you guys for listening. Thank you to Ben Fox. Uh, enjoyed that conversation. Uh, again, the one play for tonight, and we'll get into all the NFL officially tomorrow, give out picks. Got plenty of picks for you tomorrow. We'll just finalize those. Uh, the one pick for tonight is the Knicks minus four. Really like that one against the Pelicans. Again, a game they really uh, kind of desperately need to have after losing two in a row. And you look at the, the gauntlet of a schedule coming up. This is a game. You kind of need to bank here if you're the Knicks, and I think they do. I think they will. So Knicks minus four is a play. Uh, and that'll do it. We'll be back tomorrow. We'll go over all the NFL divisional rounds. We'll give you some picks. We'll dive into some props that I really like. So I'll uh, we'll see you guys tomorrow. This is the New York City Cast presented by Bet River Sportsbook. At Bet365, we don't do ordinary. We believe that every sport should be epic. Every home run, every hit, every inning, every play. From the moments that are legendary to the ones that fly under the radar. See for yourself when you sign up today and get $150 in bonus bets when you bet just $5. Whatever the sport, whatever the moment, it's never ordinary at Bet365. 21 plus only must be present in Ohio. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem and wants help, call 1-800-GAMBLER. Terms and conditions apply. If you love sports and true crime, then there's a new podcast from executive producer Dan Patrick and hosted by me, Jay Harris, that you won't want to miss. Playing Dirty Sports Scandals. Each week, I'm squeezing the juiciest details from some of the biggest sports scandals ever. I'm talking Marcus Dixon, Olympic gymnastics, Kane Velasquez, salacious Super Bowl-level scandals, Join me on the dark side of sports by listening to Playing Dirty Sports Scandals on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts.